Our scripture reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. I needed to borrow this because when I was young, I could remember things. <laughs> That's in the past. So I have to have a couple of notes or I'm going to get lost and we're going to be here through lunch. <laughs> well, several years ago, speaking of lunch, my wife and I were having lunch on a Sunday afternoon after church at our favorite restaurant, which is no longer. And a group of ladies came in and were seated at the table next to us. Now, we don't normally eavesdrop on conversations, but these ladies were not quiet. They had just come from church, obviously, because one of them said very loudly, you know, I'm disappointed I didn't get my glory today. I thought, what does she mean? And another woman said, I didn't get much out of church either. Have you ever thought that? That you haven't gotten much out of church today? If you've never said that, maybe you've thought it. Well, you know, I confess, I have said that more than once. I didn't get much out of church today. What is wrong with us? Why are we here? We're going to find out, but let's pray. Thank you, God, for bringing us here today, for joining us, for loving us, for teaching us, for all the blessings we have because you've come into our lives. Guide us today as we fellowship with one another, as we learn from your word, and as we shine our lights in this community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you ever think that we don't come here to get anything? We come here to give. That's kind of a turnaround, isn't it? Why do we come here? Well, there are a number of reasons. I'm not going to say that there's only one. We come here for a number of reasons. We come to worship. Don't you pray every, every Sunday, I want to meet you, God. I want to be there with you and your people. We come to praise the God who has made us, who loves us, who has saved us. 
We come to worship. We come to give him our thanks, our praise. It's what we offer God, not necessarily what we get from God. But we also do get things. We get to enjoy fellowship with one another. When I was young, and I do remember that, when I was young, I got an award at our high school assembly after, at graduation. I got an award. I still have it. It was not for being the best student. Many of you probably thought that. But <laughs> it was not for being the best athlete. I got an award because I had gone four years to high school and not missed one day. Perfect attendance for four years. <laughs> now, lest you think I'm, I'm really special, there was a reason I never missed school. I went to school because I enjoyed being with friends. My parents divorced when I was young. I didn't have many friends. My brother and I didn't get along well. I went to school because my friends were there. I liked school, but I went to be with my friends. If I couldn't go to school, it was a day alone. Now, let's move forward 50 years. Why do I come to church? Well, to worship God. But I come to church to be with my friends, with my brethren, with my family. I have a wife and son, and she's got a big family. I have no family left. I probably have cousins somewhere. I haven't seen or talked to them in probably 50 years. But I have no family. You are it. Scary, isn't it? We're not related by blood, but we are related. Well, you know, we are related by blood. Come to think of it. The blood of Christ. So, we come to fellowship. We also come to learn. Scripture is very clear on that, that how will we know unless someone teach us? So, we come here to learn as well. So, there are things that we get from services, but our primary reason for being here is to give. To give our time and attention to other people. To give our worship to God. Now, lest you think that I know all this, I want to remind you what Peter told the church. In uh, his second letter, in the very first chapter, in verse 12, Peter said, I'm going to tell you something that you already know because you need to be reminded of it. And then in a couple verses, he said, I know you know this stuff, but I'm telling you again, you need to be reminded, you need to remember this stuff. Three times he said that. So, you know, I'm with Peter. We need to be reminded of these things. I have been asked the question when I was pastoring and since then as well, and you've probably come across this as well. What is God's will for my life? People want to know, what is God's will? We're going to answer that question today. If you don't know, maybe you already know. But what is God's will for your life? 
The sermon is built upon Micah 6, verses 6 through 8, but primarily verse 8. What are we supposed to do? What does God expect of you and me? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. Okay, we know all this. One of my favorite scriptures. I have it memorized. Maybe some of you do. So we know what God expects of us, and we do it. Don't we? One of the Psalms, and it says right here, because I wrote it down, because I knew I wouldn't remember. Psalm 89 says that God's throne is founded on justice and righteousness. Well, if it's good enough for God, it should be good enough for us to do justice. Well, we do that. We're honest people, aren't we? I'm not going to let my eyes fall on anyone for very long, but we are honest people. We are just people. We, we want to be anyway. Well, how, how, what does that look like? How does that work out in our lives? How are we just? There is a, a phenomenon in the world today called social justice. Now, everyone's for justice, but when you put the word social with it, ooh, a red flag goes up. Because depending on your political persuasion, on your ideology, social justice has some undertones that we're not very sure about. What does that mean, social justice? Wasn't that one of the things that communists wanted? Well, it was. Oh, my, we don't want those for bedfellows, do we? But I'm puzzled. What does social mean? Pertains to people. That's what social is, people. Well, if justice isn't about people, what is it about? So what's wrong with social justice? It's justice for people. Okay? I'm a people. You're a people. We all want justice. In uh, Exodus chapter 23, first nine verses, it has a long list of how the Israelites were to be just in their treatment of one another. Well, it doesn't necessarily apply to us today. Which of you has a donkey that's in a hole today? Uh -huh. I'd like to know that. How many of you have donkeys even, whether they're in a hole or not? So it doesn't translate exactly. But if you see somebody who has a need, act justly. How does that work in our country or any country? Justice is a big thing. It's a big thing in this country. Justice is so important that the United States imprisons more people than the rest of the world put together. Wow, that's pretty just. Or is it? Well, we might, we might think about that. We might come back to it. What is justice? Acting rightly towards someone, wanting the best for them. 
Now, besides acting justly, we are supposed to be merciful. Who's against mercy? Oh, not me. I don't want a show of hands, but have you ever been stopped by the police? Yes, yes I have. Have you ever gotten a ticket? Yes, I have. Have you ever just gotten a warning? Yes, hallelujah. I was shown mercy. And oh boy, did I have a relief that I had been shown mercy. And the next person who raced around me going 20 miles over the speed limit, I felt the same way. Oh, be merciful to them. Well, no. I was hoping there'd be policemen right up the road and stop them and ticket them. Isn't that justice? Don't we want mercy? Yes, we do. Do we extend mercy? Hopefully. This is an easy thing to, to learn, to say, to repeat, but sometimes it's difficult to practice being merciful. Has anyone here ever gone through life without being treated badly? I can't raise my hand to that. I think I've been treated badly on some occasions. But maybe I wasn't. Maybe it's all in my head. But maybe you've not been treated badly, so there's no need for mercy. But if you've ever had anyone do something to you or say something about you or treat you in a wrong way, what's your response? I hope God gets them. Or something must be really bad with them today. I'm going to pray for them. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In that same chapter, he said something so outrageous that we read over it and we say, yeah, that's right. But, oh my, how could he say such a thing? Pray for those who persecute you. Isn't that a step too far? Somebody is treating you wrongly and you're to pray for them? Well, Jesus probably didn't know what he was talking about. And yet his life is a testimony to that. The last day of his life, he was being mistreated. And what did he do? He prayed for those. Oh boy, that's tough. That's hard to swallow. How do we think of those? How do we react to those who treat us that way? With mercy? I hope so. Now, humility. Something I have just a passing acquaintance with. But humility. 
Who would have thought that that old guy with the beard coming down from the mountain, throwing the tablets down, having the Levites kill thousands of Israelites, how would anyone think he was humble? We're talking about Moses, whom God said there was no one more humble than Moses. So we may have a different idea of what humility is. Humility is not what's on the placemat in front of your door that says, step on me. That's not humility. Humility is, as has already been mentioned in the prayer and the children's moment, thinking more of others and less of yourself. Regarding others is more important than you. Well, now, that's, that's also a little difficult. Who's more important than me? Well, okay, let's start. My wife is more important than me. She'd better be. My son is more important than me. My brethren are more important than me. All of you are more important than me. Do I ever forget that? Well, yes, I do. So what happens when I forget that? I say something to one of you that, ah, oh, it's kind of offensive. Or I say something to my wife and, oh, I get a look. Oh. So you know what that's like. But I know what I should do. I know I should treat others better than me. So this is a work in progress. I'm looking carefully. I see no halos glowing out there. So probably there's a work in progress for you too. We aren't perfect yet. But let's get back to um, what does God want from you? Well, we've seen through Micah that God wants you to, to do justly, to be merciful, walk humbly with him okay that's the Old Testament now we all know that the Old Testament was done away with you know, has has no bearing on us today we're in a different dispensation the dispensation of grace the Old Testament has no reference for us and yet that's what the church was founded on When Christ preached, what did he preach? He preached the Old Testament. When Paul made his missionary journeys, what did he preach? The Old Testament. The church of God was founded on the Old Testament. So yeah, it still has a bearing on us. But for some who may wonder, let's go to the New Testament. Where some wily lawyer asked God in the form of Jesus Christ, Master, what must I do to be saved? What is God's will for me? And Jesus made it very clear and very simple, didn't he? Just two things, and you know them like I do. Like the people in Peter's day, they knew this too, but he was reminding them, you love God and you love one another. Well, love is not just an emotion. 
Love is how you live your life. Love is how you treat other people and you treat God. It's your behavior, your mindset, your worldview, whatever you want to term it. That is what God's will is for you. Do you think God really cares whether you drive a Ford or a Chevy? What's God's will? Should I buy this car or this car? Do you think God's concerned about what college you go to? Oh, now that's a little more important. Should I go to a Christian college or a state college? Hmm, what does God want me to do? Do you think he cares? Well, I don't know. What, do you think that? Do you think God cares what job you take? Should I work here or should I work here? Well, I'm going to wait for God to reveal it to me. You know, I have friends who, who wait upon God for most every decision in their life. I want to know what God's will is. We're waiting on God to tell us what to do. That can result in paralysis. Don't you think God can use you wherever you are and whatever you're doing? Now, I think I probably know everyone here. And I know that you're not all alike. You've had different jobs in your history. You have different family situations. You're not all alike. So why would we think God can't use you, whatever your circumstance is? God can. So, what is God's will for my life? Well, I don't need to wait upon God to tell me that. He's made it very clear. I'm to love him above all things. Love him with my heart, my soul, my mind, and my might. And I'm to love all of you in the same way. Well, I hope I can. That's what I want to do. Now, if we put our minds to it, we can work on that. We can do that. We can move forward with that thought. Why are we here today? That was the question. We're here to worship God foremost, the God who has made us, the God who is here with us. That's why we're here, to worship God and to love one another. Through fellowship, we're here to learn how to be more like God. Now, what have you learned new? Well, probably nothing. Nothing new. You know, like the policemen say in an accent, nothing to see here. Go on by. This is not new, but it's something we need to be reminded of. This was written, first of all, uh, thousands of years ago. Jesus repeated it 2,000 years ago. And here I am saying the same thing again. So this is what God wants of us, to love him, to love one another. And we do that by doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with him. And when we do that, life is a lot simpler. We won't have any more problems, will we? 
But when we do have problems, we know how to resolve them. With God in our corner, who can be against us, huh? And with the support of all of you, who can be against me? You are my family. You know, I never, I never had the opportunity of saying, oh yeah, at school, you better watch it or my brother's gonna take care of you. I never had that opportunity. In the first place, my brother was younger. In the second place, he could have cared less what happened to me. But, but I can say to anybody, oh yeah, my family will take care of you. They've taken care of me. So I'm your responsibility. No, I'm not asking for money. <laughs> but you are responsible for me, just as I'm responsible for you. We are family. So it doesn't do any good to say, you know, I have a private life. You're not, uh, you're not involved in that. This is my life. scary, huh? This is my life. And I love it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for teaching us, for loving us, for being with us every minute of every day, and for the hope you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Direct our steps now that we might honor you in all that we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.